0: You are listening to the podcast of First Baptist Church's Sevierville, where our mission is helping people move from their point of need to hope in Christ. For more information about our church, head on over to severe.church. Today's sermon, The Power of the Gospel, is part two in the series, Americans, Chapter One, shared by Senior Pastor Dan Spencer. Well, we've had so much to celebrate already today, and uh, thank God for all of that. Wow, what a what a great, great morning it's been already. I want to invite you now to find in your Bible the book of Romans chapter 1. I started something last week, brand new, from Romans 1. Uh, this is a chapter of the Bible that we may as well call Americans chapter 1 because it's so relevant to our current situation as a nation and uh, in the American church. So I'm preaching through this chapter this month. And today we're going to see the power of the gospel and why anyone would ever be ashamed by it who has been changed by it. Uh, I hope you had a great Independence Day. I certainly did with... Family time and hamburgers and hot dogs on the grill and fireworks in the evening to celebrate. I really enjoyed watching my little grandsons watch the fireworks, just the look on their faces, the excitement, the screams uh, as they were watching with their little patriotic t shirts from Bucky's. And uh, it was so much fun just watching them enjoy it with that childlike wonder. And I'll be honest, I sat there finding myself just thanking God for this time in their lives. It's a time of innocence. It's a time when they see only the good things about our nation. Uh, I thank God for what they don't know and can't understand yet, uh, but we know, and that is all of the, uh, the ugliness, the perversion, all the problems, the division in our nation today, and and it struck me in that moment how important it is that I step up and I do my job to help them to understand as they grow up who Jesus is and why we say that Jesus saves and what it means that, uh, that when when we say that what. You need most is Jesus. What America needs most is not another political leader or another law. What we need most is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want them to know what that means and how that worldview really determines how you see everything else in your life. Romans 1 is going to be helpful Uh, with that. So we're going to read verses 8 through 17. I'm going to make a few statements before I read that. One about the Bible, one about the Apostle Paul, and one about the gospel. So uh, first of all, when you open your Bible, understand you're opening up a book of books. It's divided into the Old Testament and the New Testament, 66 books in all that God gave to about 40 different authors over a period of about 1,500 years. Each of those authors had their own personality, their own writing style, their own experiences. And yet, God miraculously, God preserved the perfection of the content of the Bible through all of the translations from language to language, as those imperfect human authors wrote it out, God per- preserved the perfection of God's Word down to the individual words of it. And so when we open our Bible, we, we receive it as something that is perfectly true, completely authoritative for our lives, and that's really the only reason it makes sense to read and study a 2,000-year-old letter like the book of Romans. And uh, so just wanted to make that clear. Here's a statement about the apostle Paul. The human author of Romans that God inspired to write down these words is Paul, a real historical person who lived in the first century. And when you think of Paul, think of these words, important and imperfect. He was an important man so we can respect him, but he was an imperfect man so we can relate to him. Uh, Paul, the one God used to write down these perfect words of Scripture, uh, was a man who had his own struggles and his own issues. In fact, once he called himself the chief of sinners. So, Paul, important but imperfect. We can relate to him. And then let me say this before we read about the gospel. Because we're going to read that word, gospel, three different times in this brief passage of Scripture. When you read the word gospel, think good news. That's what it means. It's the good news about Jesus and all that goes with that. That, that God loved the world and sent His only Son, Jesus, into the world to save us. Uh, Jesus was born of a virgin. He went to the cross. He took our sins. He died in our place. On the third day, He rose from the dead. All that happened just as it was prophesied in the Old Testament that it would happen. And Jesus now offers us salvation for all those who believe. And He calls those who believe in Him to dedicate our lives to him and to follow him as his disciples. Uh, The key verse in this chapter, verse 16, has that word gospel in it. In fact, it's the theme of this chapter of the whole book of Romans and indeed of the whole Bible. And so I want to read verse 16. Paul writes, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. And so uh, this is the most important thing. Paul said in another letter, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that the gospel is of first importance. First importance. What that means is there are other things that are important, but nothing is as important as the gospel of Christ, how Jesus can change your life and all that that means. And so uh, that's of first importance. That's why when Paul was talking in this chapter about what he was going to preach when he got to Rome, he didn't say, I'm eager to preach Roman politics or Jewish rights or some other secondary issue, he said, I'm eager to preach the gospel to you. Just the good news that Jesus came to save lost sinners. And so, uh, with all that behind us, let's go to verse 8, Romans 1, verse 8. We'll read through verse 14, and then we're going to focus on 15, 16, and 17. You ready? All right, you listen fast, I'll talk fast. Verse eight, Paul says to this church at Rome, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Now, that's a very encouraging thing to say. Paul said all over the world, people talk about how faithful you are to the Lord. You know what that tells me? That tells me that one local church can have a worldwide impact. And and that's really what we try to do here at First Baptist Church. We want everybody to know about Jesus. Verse 9, he continues, "...for God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers." Making request, if by some means, now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. Now, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now that I might have some fruit among you, just as among the other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. And so uh, what Paul is doing here in this section is that he's giving this church some really heartfelt encouragement. He says, I've heard about how faithful you are there in the capital of the Roman empire. I'm concerned about you. I pray for you. I want to come and serve with you there and and do what I can to strengthen you and to to build you up. In verse 11, uh, it's very personal. He says, I long to come and see you that I may impart some spiritual gift to you. Uh, Paul's gift to the church was mainly preaching and teaching. And he said, I want to do that at the church at Rome, there in your church. Verse 13, he said, that I may have some fruit among you. Uh, in other words, I want to get in on what God is doing there, and, and I want to be of help if I can. So uh, Paul's given them great encouragement, great desire. He has a great heart. But here is the focus of Paul's message In verse 15, he writes, So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Verse 16 is the key. And it's quite a statement. When Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Think about this. When you're ashamed of something or someone, you hide it. You keep it to yourself. Uh, you don't talk about it. You don't share it with others. You don't draw attention to it if you're ashamed about something. But when you have something that you know is precious and valuable and powerful and life-changing, you're eager To share it. And that was Paul's attitude toward the gospel. Uh, Paul was thinking, look, when I get to Rome, I know what I'm going to find. And it's a culture a lot like we find in America today. A culture that that is full of of idols and violence and immorality. And in many ways opposed to the gospel of Christ. But he said, look, I'm not ashamed and I'm going to share it anyway. That's what it means to be not ashamed of the gospel. But here's a question that has bugged me all week long. Why did Paul bring this up? Why would he say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ? Why would anyone who has been changed by Jesus ever be ashamed to talk about it, to present it to someone else? Why would we ever be ashamed of the gospel? And uh, I know I'm looking at this through the lens of a 21st century American guy, but uh, I think the answer is pretty evident and it's pretty simple. It's because we know that like Paul anticipated in Rome, we know the gospel of Jesus Christ is contrary to what so many Americans believe today and, and that sharing it might cost us something. It might cost us some moments of feeling really awkward. Might cost us some rejection. It might mean being misunderstood, labeled as a religious extremist. Some people might even resist with violence. That's why I, I think Paul said, But I'm not ashamed of the gospel. That's where we ought to be. But I want to explore this. Let me give you six examples this morning. And and I'll I'll try to do it quickly. Uh, Why we would ever be ashamed of the gospel here in America. I think number one, it's because we know the gospel acknowledges the existence and the authority of God. Because when we talk about the gospel, we have to talk about a God who created all things and has authority over all things. And we have to talk about God in terms of His holiness as well as His love. The fact that He is a giver of commandments and also a giver of mercy. And we know that bringing that up is going to make a lot of people uncomfortable. Uh, the gospel offends people who hope there is not a God because even the possibility of the existence of a God like that means their, their whole worldview is just going to get wrecked. Because if, if God is who the Bible says he is, you don't get to be him And you don't get to make up your own rules for how you live your life. You don't get to play God in your own life. You're accountable to Him and you need Him. Number two, and I'll attribute this to the late Tim Keller, uh, we, we are ashamed of the gospel because we know the gospel exposes us as such spiritual failures that the only way we can be saved is by God's grace. So that idea, when we present the gospel, when we talk about why Jesus died on the cross and we talk about how we are sinners, that offends decent people who think that they're pretty good on their own merit and that they don't need Jesus and that they have an advantage really over the really bad people in this world. But the gospel tells us that no, we are all sinners and all of our goodness is like filthy rags in the sight of God and we bring nothing to God but our sin. And so the only way we can ever be saved is if God has mercy on you and just gives it to you because you certainly haven't earned it and neither have I. Number three, we may be ashamed because we know that the gospel tells us that we are so wicked that only the death of the Son of God could save us. And this offends the popular belief in America that people are basically good and what people really need in order to find their inner beauty and to, and to really flourish is they need for all of their feelings to be affirmed and celebrated. And if we do that, then people are going to live up to that goodness and that inner potential that they have. But the gospel tells us really the opposite. That we are so wicked in our sin that it, it took the, the perfect, sinless son of God to die in our place to pay for our sins. And so telling that story means talking about things like like death and blood and a cross and the fact that we are sinners. And we know that is going to be offensive. Number four, the gospel teaches us that so-called good and sincere people will not automatically make it to heaven. And that offends the belief that's so prevalent in America today that any nice person can find uh, God or whatever else you want to call him in his her, or her own way. But the gospel teaches us that God is the only one who can provide salvation. And if you're going to receive it, you're going to have to do it his way. And if you're determined to do it your own way without God, you will not find heaven. You will not find heaven. Instead, you will find heaven. Hell, Number five, we may be tempted to be ashamed of the gospel because we know that the gospel presents Jesus Christ as the only way of salvation and there is no other. And that offends a lot of people today who think that there are many paths that lead to God and that all religions, all philosophies are equally true. But the gospel of Christ is just that, it is of Christ, God has provided only one way for us to be saved, and that way is Jesus Christ. And when we share that, we know that it's going to be met with resistance, and we may shy away. And number six, the gospel demands surrender to Jesus as Lord. The gospel, if it's presented rightly, it's not just a feeling you feel and a prayer you pray, and then you move on and you live however you want to live the rest of your life. The gospel demands that you give your life to Jesus, to obey whatever he says to do, to go wherever he says to go. And that offends people who want to maintain control and independence. And so the gospel demands surrender to Jesus. Um, This passage has just been convicting me all week long. I'm, I'm glad to get it off my chest because I wonder, could it be that many Christians, many of us, me, are we ashamed of the gospel because we're not really living it? If somebody followed me around for a few days, would they be convinced that Jesus is Lord of my life? Or does my life deny the Lordship of Jesus? Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Let me just close with what that means. Being not ashamed of the gospel means opening up about what the power of the gospel has done in my life. I think not being ashamed of the gospel means being up front about it, opening up about it to whoever's near you. I, I know the gospel is going to offend some people, but I'm not ashamed of it because I have felt its power in my life. I know that once I was lost and now I am saved. I know that once I was blind, but now I can see. Once I was dead in my sins, now I am alive in Christ. That's the power of the gospel in my life. And I want everybody to know about that. And people may not like the message, but it's the only message that will forgive their sins and save their souls. And that's how I want us to feel about our community here in Sevier County. It's how I feel about our church. It's why we put so many resources toward outreach and discipleship. It's why we're planning on our ministry village reaching a lot of people because we all know, those of us who are saved, we know the power of the gospel. And not being ashamed means opening up about that and talking about that. Jesus Christ changed my life. Not, I love the Lord, but Jesus changed my life. Not ashamed. Number two, being not ashamed of the gospel means knowing that when I share the gospel, someone could be saved. Paul said in verse 16, the gospel is the power of God to save everyone Everyone, everyone who believes. And so whenever I share the gospel, whether I do a great job of it or kind of stumble through it, the truth of the gospel has the power to change somebody's life forever. That's the potential every time I share the gospel. Ain't no sinner, the song says, ain't no sinner that he can't save. What a relief that is to a preacher like me, that the power of the gospel is not my ability, or the power to save someone is not in my ability to preach or in my personality, but the power is the gospel of Christ. Uh, I like what uh, old D.L. Moody said. He said, the gospel is like a lion. All the preacher has to do is open the door of the cage and get out of the way. Because it's the power of the gospel that saves. And then last, being not ashamed of the gospel means making some extraordinary decisions about my life. Here's what I mean. When you realize how unworthy you were to hear the gospel at all, how how much you owe Jesus for giving it to you, for saving your soul, and the power of the gospel to save others, it just changes the way you look at your life. You start to look at your, at your ambitions and your dreams and your talents and your resources differently. And you start to say, uh, in, the, in the words of C.T. Studd, only one life will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last. And, and, and you start to orient your life around. What Jesus has done and what Jesus can do for others. And and being not ashamed of the gospel leads to some extraordinary decisions that will shape your life and that some will not understand. To say things that others would say is crazy, to approach people that others say don't approach them, to do some things with your life and your future. That others may not understand. Uh, I want to close with this story, especially for our students today. Uh, One of my heroes of the faith, I read his biography when I was in high school, is Adoniram Judson. He was the first Baptist missionary. He went to India. And uh, Adoniram Judson had fallen in love with a girl named Ann Hazeltine. And she also had a heart for the nations to get the gospel there. And so Adoniram wanted to ask her father's permission to marry her. And so he wrote him this letter. And thankfully, it's been preserved so that we can read it. So here is the letter from Adoniram Judson to his girlfriend's dad asking to marry her. Here's what he wrote. I have now to ask whether you can consent to part with your daughter early next spring to see her no more in this world. Whether you can consent to her departure and her subjection to the hardships and sufferings of a missionary life. Whether you can consent to her exposure to the dangers of the ocean. To the fatal influence of the southern climate of India. To every kind of want and distress. To degradation, insult, persecution, and perhaps a violent death. Can you consent to all this? for the sake of him who left his heavenly home and died for her and for you, for the sake of perishing immortal souls, for the sake of Zion and the glory of God, can you consent to all this in hope of soon meeting your daughter in the world of glory with the crown of righteousness brightened with the acclamations of praise which shall redound to her Savior from heathens saved through her means from eternal woe and despair? How would you dads like to get a letter like that from the boy your daughter starts dating? (laughs) Extraordinary decisions the gospel will lead us to. I, I pray that that's how we feel about the gospel here in this church, that we're willing to do whatever. To give whatever, to serve however, so that others can hear the gospel. Is that how you feel about the gospel? And I have to ask, but just know I've been asking myself all week long are you ashamed of the gospel or are you eager? To share it. The opposite of being ashamed of the gospel is not being proud of the gospel, like an inner feeling. The opposite of being ashamed of the gospel is being eager and ready to share it. Is that you? Are you willing to make some extraordinary decisions to get the gospel to others this week? To cross the street and talk to your neighbor? To call that relative? to write a letter to your grandkids, whatever God might lead you to do, are you willing to take some steps in that direction and to make some out-of-the-ordinary decisions about the gospel? Um, That's all. Let's stand together. I want us to have a time of of prayer this morning uh, as we close. Our pastors are going to be standing here Uh, ready to pray with you and to help you. I I have to tell you, you, if you are lost in your sins, can I just say what Paul said? The gospel is the power of God to save everyone who believes. And that includes you. Jesus loves you. He died for you. And He will save you. If you turn from your sin and just turn to Him in faith, believe Him. In a moment, as I pray, our pastors will be standing here. Then we're going to sing. I want to invite you to come and, and be saved today. Let one of our pastors help you take that step of faith. If you've already made that decision, maybe at camp, maybe somewhere else. Listen, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Let someone know about that and be baptized like these have today. All right, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for just being clear about it. And Lord, we're all aware of how even talking about God, mentioning the name of Jesus is sometimes received in American culture. I pray by your grace you would push us over the line to do it anyway and to be unashamed about this precious gospel that saves us. Lord, may we who sing of our love for God not be ashamed to mention His name. Lord, for those who are lost, I pray for their salvation this morning, right now. In Jesus' name. Hey, if you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and share. And if you want a pastor to follow up with you regarding today's message, reach out to us at slash follow up. Thanks again for joining us on the First Baptist Church Severable podcast.